Our guest tonight comes to us all the way from Seattle, Washington. Well, I'm sure she enjoyed the weather flying into... Thanks for bringing the rain. We needed the rain. She has appeared on Comedy Central, the National Lampoon Network, and at over 500 churches and theaters across the country. Woo, that's a lot. That is awesome. She has written for Bonnie Hunt, Jack Black, and Morgan Freeman. And she is here with us tonight. Everyone, give a warm welcome for Miss Amy Barnes. This is the one I'm supposed to have, right? Number one, okay, sorry. Hello, ladies, welcome to your tea. It's nice to be here with you all tonight. Oh, I love Las Vegas. I don't get to come here as much as I used to, particularly since they just blew up the comedy club that I worked at for all those years. <laughs> the, the Riviera went down, right? That was like the first place I ever headlined in Las Vegas was the comedy club at the Riviera. It's gone. Isn't that sad? Thanks. She's sad for me. No, I, don't, I don't work there anymore, but isn't it fun to be out with the girls? So much better than date night, isn't it? You get to get all dressed up, go out and have a good time, but you don't have to shave your legs. I'm just kidding, I don't shave for date night either. Do you? Oh, our husbands don't notice stuff like that, do they, ladies? They don't notice that kind of stuff. They don't notice anything. Women, we notice everything, don't we? We don't miss a thing. But our husbands, man. My husband always asks me why I'm more dressed up for date night, for a girls' night out than I am for our date night. Because you don't notice. Like, I play that game with him, right, where I'll cover up my eyes and say, quick, what's my name? <laughs> Mommy. Oh, this is fun. I know my hair looks a little different than the picture that's on the back of all your bathroom stalls here at the church. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. Makes a girl feel good. To know what's going on while you're looking at me. I should get a ticket to that. With the bathroom stalls, really? Man. Yeah, my hair looks different. I, I try to make sure my hair looks the same every time you see me. I know that's important to some of you. I actually went to the hairstylist this week and I brought a picture of myself. Can you make, can you make me look like this? One more time. I think I spend too much time and money on my hair. Anybody else You're kind of a little obsessed with your hair? A few of you raising your hands for that. I don't, let me, let me tell you why I think that is. This year, I had a physical on the same day as my hair appointment. <laughs> Guess which cost more? Not the doctor. Not the doctor, that's for sure. And I see my hairstylist every six weeks. And I explain to my husband, I'm like, listen, honey, you don't understand. I'm with my hairstylist for like two and a half hours. My doctor sees me maybe 12 minutes. Like, do you realize that's even worse? Your hairstylist has two and a half hours to make your hair look good for six weeks. That doctor has 12 minutes to decide if you're gonna die in the next year. 
I heard there's gonna be a physician shortage. Have you heard that? The doctors, they're leaving the medical profession. Is that crazy? I think they're all going to beauty school. That's where the money is, right? It's in hair. Oh, well, it's my first time here at Green Valley. Uh, you probably don't know a lot about me yet. Thanks, it's, thanks. Nice you guys to invite me. I'm really enjoying all the tables and your decorating. It's fantastic, ladies. So colorful and fun. How many of you have decorated a table before? Like, this isn't your first year. Lots of you guys. Do you feel like you get better every year? Or is it just pretty much you're just phoning it in now? Like, it's... I got the stuff, it's in the same box in the garage. I pull it out for too, just for this year. Man, it is fun to be here. I, I'll tell you a little bit about myself just so you feel like you know me a little better when I, um, I know some of you recognize me from a little band I used to play in back in high school. We were called the Marching Band. You guys heard of that? <laughs> Come on, it's the Marching Band. We had a lot of hits, all right? Who played in the Marching Band? Look, I had a whole table in the back row, like the whole brass section. What, what, <laughs> what did you lady, what do you play? Drums, piccolo, flute? Alto sax, we got, we could totally gig tonight. We could be gigging, clarinets. Who played what? Triangle, oh yeah. Man, that's rough, that's a rough gig, the triangle right there. There's not a lot worse than being the triangle guy, right? So there's no future in the triangle, is there? Unless you plan on moving to a ranch. Just calling people to dinner for the rest of your life. Should have played the drums. Anybody else? You got any brass in here? Color guard, that's not an instrument. Was it like a flag, right? Like a flag? They need it for what? Stuff for stuff? It's part of the whole vision of the band? You gotta have color? Who played the, why did you, who? French horn, there's some brass. I played the tuba. Do we have any tuba players in the house? Anybody play the tuba? There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of women play tuba. I don't know why that is. Uh, except you, unless you're at Oktoberfest, because that's like tuba palooza there, right? <laughs> it's like, whew. I didn't really date a lot in high school. It's probably from that one beefy shoulder muscle I had from carrying my tuba all over. It's bad, right? Someday. I always had a tuba hickey. Do you know what that is? The tuba hickey. It's that giant red mark you get around your mouth from the mouthpiece of the tuba. And it was darker than my actual lips. So I just always looked surprised. That's rough, right? But I chose the tuba based on this theory. If you're not cool enough to be a cheerleader, make sure you're carrying something big enough to take one out. can pass that one on to the kids. <laughs> oh, so I'm really proud over the, I have, um, I have lost 25 pounds. Thank you. Oh, that's nice. You know, one of the greatest things about it is I get to stand up in front of hundreds of women every week and tell them how much I've lost and then they cheer for me. 
is really encouraging. Has anybody, you've lost some weight uh, and you want some people to cheer for you right now? How much have you lost? 16 pounds, she lost 16 pounds. Isn't that encouraging? That feels really good, doesn't it? Yeah. How did you do it? She stopped eating. Just quit food altogether. All right. Anybody else? You want some applause? You want some? Somebody? Yes. Who are you pointing to? How much has your mom lost? Sixty pounds with a zero. That. How did you do it? Hard work and dedication. <laughs> Got any other ideas? <laughs> like something you could, for the rest of us? A little. Uh, did I miss anybody else? Need some encouragement to go the next half pound? <laughs> yes, how much have you lost? I've 14. 14 pounds she's lost. Isn't this nice? It's like a Weight Watchers meeting in here. So I lost the 25 pounds over like eight years. Um, it's, it's not a race, okay? It's not a race. The problem was I was calling it the baby weight for too long. Anybody else? You can't do that for a long time until people start asking you questions. Like, isn't she nine? And adopted? It's a really stressful time for me. I watched The Biggest Loser, though. I find that show so inspirational. Anybody else you watch The Biggest Loser? Love that. Isn't that a great show? So you watch somebody step on the scale that weighs 500 pounds, I think, you know what? I can go ahead and eat this ice cream. <laughs> I'm not there yet, right? You don't do that and watch Top Model, do you? No, maybe, maybe eat a celery stick with your top model. Oh, I went to see a nutritionist. That was the first thing I did. I saw this nutritionist. She asked me what my ideal weight was. <laughs> oh, that's easy. My ideal weight is a short line at Burger King. Three <laughs> ladies, no. You need those fries. You don't want to wait for those, do you? No, those delicious French fries. She told me I had to start working out, I had to get a fitness plan. What's the first thing we have to do, ladies, when we decide to start a fitness plan? <laughs> okay, that was not where I was headed, but that's probably what I did. I probably ate before I... You need a new outfit, that's right. You gotta, have a, you gotta look good when you go to the gym, right? People looking at you, right? So I went to the mall to shop for a new workout outfit. I went in the athlete's foot at the mall, which is kind of an unfortunate name for a shoe store, isn't it? That's a foot fungus, athlete's foot. Foot fungus, athlete's foot. Got some socks there at the athlete's foot. Had to pick up a pair of sunglasses over at the pink eye hut. Just swing by that cold sore kiosk, get some lip balm for later. Terrible name for a shoe store, right? The athlete's foot. I have the same problem with the dress barn. woman wants to buy a dress at a barn, right? You have that in my size? What is that, hogs or heifers? 
I was in Ohio last weekend. I was driving through this outlet mall there. And do you know they have a dress barn outlet? How bad does a dress have to be? You can't even sell it at a barn. It's got to be at the outlet barn. I think they need to fire the people who name those stores. They need to hire the person who named Forever 21. That's a good name for a store, isn't it? I'm gonna be 95 wearing a gold sequin tube top. <laughs> Whatever, I'm forever 21. Says so up there. Oh, I had to join a gym, so I joined the 24-hour fitness. It's the closest gym to my house, but 24 hours of fitness availability, that is wildly optimistic, isn't it? Can't even finish eight-minute abs. I do not need 24 hours of fitness availability. I have never woken up at 3 a.m. and thought, man, there was just some place I could go right now to do some reps. I would be in such good shape. The thing I hate about my gym are the mirrors. So many mirrors at the gym, why? It's like a giant fun house at the gym. See what's in front of you, see what's behind you. We don't need to see what's behind us. I know what's back there, that's why I'm at the gym. You know why they put so many mirrors up? To make it look like there's more equipment than there actually is at the gym. You take them out, there's just one jacked up treadmill. A couple of mismatched dumbbells. There's this guy at my gym and he loves to watch himself work out. I always see him on the stair machine looking at himself in the mirror. You know why? He's really tan. And you know tan people when they work out, they sweat and then they sort of glow. <laughs> you know, right? they look better. But I am really pale. And when I sweat, I kind of take on this pink, sticky, fetal pig look. You don't want to see it in the funhouse mirrors. The gym. Man, this guy at my gym, he's been on the stair machine so long that his rear is rectangular. <laughs> it's like two bricks side by side. He could strike his cheeks together and make fire. Like, He would totally win Survivor, if that were a thing. I love going to the gym, though. I love to try new classes, learn new stuff at the gym. Who's, uh, anybody kickboxing? Anybody kickboxes at their gym? There's no kickboxing here. I'm telling you guys, you should kickbox. It's awesome, like a real-life skill you might need. Might come in handy. I mean, if anybody was thinking about mugging me after the show, I would think twice. Especially if you planned your attack to music. <laughs> and then you gave me like an eight count head start. <laughs> it would be great. That would be great. I do a lot of yoga at my gym. Anybody do yoga? Who does yoga? Lots of yoga, lots of yoga. And how many of you, you own a pair of yoga pants? You've never done yoga. Like every, everyone in this room, every, that is like the cra 
craziest pair of athletic apparel, right? The yoga pants. It doesn't work that way with other athletic apparel, right? You don't, you see somebody in a pair of cleats, you think they're probably going to play soccer. See somebody in a unitard, you think probably going to wrestle. See somebody in yoga pants, you think probably going grocery shopping. That's what those are for, yoga pants. Yoga's harder than it looks though, isn't it? You said you do yoga, right? Over there, you do, what kind of yoga do you do? Um, namaste, cold yoga, and Cold yoga? That's something I'm not even familiar with. I mean, I know about the hot yoga. I went to that one time, that was a mistake. Have you been to hot yoga? It's terrible. It's, first of all, it is not hygienic, I don't think. And they just turn up the thermostat really high to make you sweat so you think you're doing exercise. I'm gonna apply that to other stuff in my life. Just turn up the thermostat and call it exercise. Like, oh, look at me. Hot candy crush. <laughs> Yoga's harder than it looks though, you know? I, I always think it's gonna be easy, because they say, you know, go, go into your chair pose. That sounds easy, right? I mean, I'm in a chair most of the day. I should know how to do that, right? But you don't realize how hard it is to sit like you're in a chair when there's not actually a chair there holding you up. And it starts to occur to you how much work the chair's been doing all your life. It's no wonder it groans whenever you sit down. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Uh, I take a Zumba class from time to time because we have a really good Zumba instructor at our wires. So I got some Zumba ladies I know. Who, who's, where else? Who else does Zumba? All over here you do Zumba. Who's never done Zumba before? Lots of you guys too. So for those of you who have never done Zumba, it's really, it's like world music and Latin dance and a whole lot of shaking that good Christian women shouldn't be doing in public. <laughs> Where like, people can see you, right? Where this should be in your living room with the blinds down mostly. Every single instruction in that class ends with roll it, pump it, or shake it. <laughs> roll it, pump it. I weaned my kids years ago. I'm not pumping anything anymore. Done. Shake it. I will say this though: the older you get, the easier Zumba gets. Because when that instructor tells you to shake it, you just have to do it once, right? And it just keeps shaking. Some advantages. The problem with Zumba is this, like the more you do it, the better you think you are. And in your head, now you're Jennifer Lopez, right? Until you grapevine past the mirror and it's like, oh, maybe George Lopez. At least it's a Lopez. All right, we got a keyboard. I gotta walk all the way over here, but we got a keyboard, so we gotta do some songs tonight. You want some songs? Oh, thanks, that was nice. I'll, think, I'll take that as a yes. Uh, so I always like to do one song because after the show, I know that lots of you guys are gonna come up to me and ask Amy, how is it that you lost so much weight so slowly? 
<laughs> so I put it all in a song um, so you don't have to do that. There we go. First I was afraid Giving up cream pies Kept thinking I could never live without my food deep fried But then I spent so many nights just wishing I could wear a thong Not really, but it'd be nice to have that option, wouldn't it? Wished I was strong Wished that my legs were leaning long Now that Big Mac has lost its taste I just walked by full-length mirror Saw three chins under my face Should've skipped the chips and guac Should've ordered it fat-free If I'd have known for just one second I'd be busting out the seams Go on now, close that freezer door Just turn around now Can't have ice cream anymore Step number one, you gotta kiss the carbs Oh, no, not I. I will deprive. Long as I've got skinny cow, I know I'll stay alive. You know. I've got all my life to live. This waistband's got no more to give. I'll deprive. I will deprive. It took all the strength I had not to fall apart. Go dumpster diving for the pieces of a broken tarp. It's not my proudest moment, but you know, you gotta be honest. And then I spent so many nights just feeling sorry for myself. I'd sometimes cry, cause remember I can't have pie. Now you see me, somebody new. I'm not that not so little person who can't tie her shoe. Felt like dropping by to try to sell me your cookies. But I'm saving all my points up for something that's wrapped in Oh no, not I, I will deprive As long as I've got skinny cow, I know I'll stay alive Got all my life to live, these spanks can't hold that much more in So I'll deprive, I will deprive, I will deprive oh, Ladies night is fun my husband always gets really nervous when I come to do events that are just all women. He thinks we just sit around and laugh at our husbands. <laughs> I told him, honey, that's not what we do. If we wanted to laugh at our husbands, we would have stayed home. <laughs> they, they are so much funnier live, aren't they? <laughs> now, my, I, my husband is a writer. I was really proud that I married a writer. Um, it was like a really big step up for me because most of the guys I dated before him weren't even readers. So that was like... <laughs> He's really talented. He can write in cursive and everything. He's really <laughs> such a smart guy. No, but I think we women, we do enough crazy stuff to laugh about that we don't need to bring the men into it. At least not tonight we don't. I always like to do one song. That's a crazy song written by a crazy woman. And then we'll sing it and uh, we'll stop periodically throughout the song and discuss it. 
So we're gonna do Adele, some, someone like you. Or as I like to call it, the stalker's anthem. <laughs> suppose she got information like that. <laughs> not from him, right? Really not from him. I heard that your dreams came true. Yes, she gave you things I couldn't give to you. Like maybe the ability to sleep with both eyes intended for that line to be interpreted but if he's hiding he's frightened right? I hate to turn up out of the blue that for me it isn't over <laughs> never mind over someone like you or at least someone who looks just like you and will wear that sweater that I stole from your house Much men love to be reminded of stuff they said years ago. Sometimes it lasts in love, but sometimes it hurts instead. Sometimes it lasts in love, but sometimes it ends in a restraining order. Here go. A little crazy song by a crazy woman. Oh. To decide what songs we're gonna do tonight. We might do the leprosy song tonight. You guys want the leprosy song? You want that one? This is, I have a leprosy song. It's a song that I recorded on Comedy Central a few years ago. They cut it off the end of my set because they said it was too dark for Comedy Central. So I was like, whatever, I'll just do it at churches and stuff. And that's, that's what I do with them. We might save that one for another night. Let's see. Uh, oh, here's the one that they didn't cut off at Comedy Central. Uh, how many of you, you have a significant other? Lots of you guys, lots of husbands. How many of you, you look at them and you know you could have done better? I love that right now you all had to discuss that a little bit. Like, you're like, well, let's think about this. Let me make a list, and we will compare. All right, this song is for all of you who raised your hand in your heart. 
used to dream of Prince Charming, hoping someday he'd come rescue me. But all my friends are married and I'm stuck with you. So I have to face reality. Well, you're a little shorter than I hoped you'd be. And your hair, it's thinning fast. I know that the love that we now share it probably will not last. But I settled for you. No sense pretending what we both know is true. When the day came along. with me ladies <laughs> I settled for you there you go a little song for our settlers we'll do a little bit more a little bit more of that later we uh we moved with our kids from Los Angeles to Seattle a few years ago so our daughter could go to kindergarten um <laughs> it's a longer story than that but that's the gist of it and I think it's really important for kids to be near family. Don't you think that's important? And I think it's, yeah, I mean, I think it's so important for them to know what they're related to. <laughs> Lest they should develop a more high opinion of themselves than they ought. You know, you gotta shake that family tree and let the nuts fall or they, so they know. Keeps them humble. My family, people live forever, literally, uh, and so we got a lot of generations in our family for my kids to enjoy. My grandpa's up there, he's 94 years old, he turned 94 this year, which is great. And I think his goal, before he goes, is to replace every part of his body with a metal alloy. <laughs> he's got screws and pins everywhere in him. It's not enough for him to just tell you that they're there, he's gotta prove it to you. You got that grandpa, don't you? It's like, that's a steel plate right there. Right there. Don't believe me? Hit it. <laughs> he fell down and broke his leg. They had to put a titanium rod in his leg. Oh, that was like Christmas for grandpa. He was so excited. He thinks he's part of the space program now. He's got that titanium in his leg. Went to visit him. He's like, that's titanium. Right there, titanium. Don't believe me? Back the car up. He doesn't have a very big estate, my grandpa, but he's gonna be worth a fortune in scrap. So. He's not an organ donor, but he is recyclable. So there's that. Is that going for him? He told us, he put it in his will. He doesn't even wanna be buried. He said, just fold me up and stick me in the blue bin. Push me to the curb. That'll be the end. My grandma is 96 years old. I love it, isn't that great? She's 96 years old. And I would think that if you made it to 96, you'd be an optimist. You gotta dodge a lot of bullets to get to 96 years old, right? But not my grandma. My grandma is convinced that every year is her last. She's so convinced that she gives everything she has away. Right? You can't leave her house without a dish or a lamp or something. 
Last time I was there, she tried to give me her bed. Oh. You can't take it with you, honey. You can't take it with you. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure you get to sleep on it until you go. The problem is grandma's been doing this for 25 years, right? She doesn't have anything left at her house. You go over there, she's just sitting on a cardboard mat in the corner, heating her dinner up over a candle. Come on. The stuff she doesn't give away, she puts somebody's name on. So she has sticky notes all over her house with people's name on it. I don't want to say I'm her favorite granddaughter, but I'm getting the cornflakes. She's so convinced that this is her last year that she won't even buy full-size toiletries anymore. Everything she owns is three ounces or less. She just shops in the travel section at the drugstore now. There's a TSA checkpoint between here and heaven. Grandma's gonna make it. She's gonna get through. She's gonna be okay, Grandma. Uh, my mom and dad are there. I love being close to my parents. They've been married for 47 years. And so isn't that great? It's such a great example they are to us. Yeah. And uh, I'm always trying to glean wisdom from her. You know, how do you do it? How do you make it to 47 years? My mom said, you know what my secret is? Every year on our anniversary, I'll drive your dad through the low-income housing projects so I can remind him where he'd be if he ever left me. Never splitting up the two. <laughs> One of the things that I thought would be easier when we moved up there, being so close to family, would be filling out the emergency contact form for school. But it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be to fill it out. First of all, they don't tell you what the emergency is ahead of time. So you can pick who to call. Right? Like, I don't know, do I need to send an attorney? Do I need, what is the emergency? That did my daughter get her finger stuck in her water bottle again? I, don't call me, I'm not coming down a third time for that. She can wait it out and write with the other hand today. Kids gotta learn at some point, right? I don't even know who to put down. I can't put my grandpa on there. He can't get through the metal detector at the school. can't put grandma on there. She's pretty sure she's not going to be available. <laughs> the school won't let me put my mom down anymore because she was my emergency contact last year. They called her three times and she wouldn't come down for any of them. She just tried to convince the school that it must just be an allergy to give them Benadryl and send them back to class, right? Call my mom up. Oh, Miss Barnes, her head's really hurting her. Yeah, it's probably just an allergy. Try some Benadryl before I drive all the way down there to get her, yeah. Now she slipped off the monkey bars and landed on her head. Yeah, you know those monkey bars, they're so slippery from all the pollen this time of year. Just try the Benadryl. Send her back to class. I think you should just be able to put anybody you want down for your emergency contact, right? Do you remember that guy a long time ago? He was hiking and he got trapped and he had to cut off his own arm to save his life. He would be a good emergency contact, right? I mean, that guy seems like he would be cool under pressure. I'm pretty sure if my daughter knew he was coming, she wouldn't get her finger stuck in her water bottle again. Just your thought.
Oh, we had to pack an emergency kit for school. Do you do that here? Your school's here, do you pack emergency kits? No, I don't, we, it's like food and water. Three days worth of food and water in my kid's cubby at school. Isn't that ridiculous? And yet they still call me when she forgets her lunch. <laughs> Miss Barnes, that food's just for emergencies. Yes, yeah, so's this number, but you use it every day. Man, I got tricked into something this year. I don't even know how it happened. I wasn't there when it happened, but it happened. I'm the PTA president. <laughs> I know there's never a positive response to that. Like, I'm thinking one time I'm going to say that and people will applaud. But every time there's that, that collective, like, oh, you know, like... <laughs> Nobody ever has a positive response to that. I have been four years at elementary school trying to avoid eye contact with the PTA for the entirety of it. And somehow I managed to get there. Any I don't even know what happened. And I see these moms. There's some moms that have a really good strategy for how to get out of PTA work. You know those moms? They come with a plan at the beginning of the school year. Right? You know, like there's working mom. You know, working mom who, she comes, she, whatever she's wearing, it had to be dry cleaned. You know, the outfit, she's had to be dry cleaned. She's got her Starbucks cup. She doesn't have time to make her own coffee. She's got to go through a drive through She's so busy. She's got clicky shoes on so you can hear her coming all the way down the hallway after she drops her kid off. Like, get out of my way. I'm late for work. And the parents part like the Red Sea as she walks down the hall. She's so busy. I'm not gonna ask her to chair the carnival. She'll never have time. The working mom. Then you got your workout mom. Yeah, you know workout mom. She comes to drop off her kids and to pick them up in workout clothes. But you've never seen her break a sweat. She always uses really like action-y verb words, you know, to make you seem, think that she's busier than she actually is. Like, I gotta jump in my car and race to Target. <laughs> Run some errands, pick up a couple of things, race back, get the kids, it's gonna be a stretch. <laughs> it's a good thing you're wearing sneakers. I don't think loafers could take a beating like that. Workout mom, she's got no time for the PT. That is my favorite. It's the what's work mom. She comes to drop her kids off in her pajamas. <laughs> you've seen her. Be honest, you've been her. You've been her. You've been her. Yes, her pajamas and the gray hoodie sweatshirts. Because that's the one piece of her wardrobe that's going to take her from day to evening, <laughs> back to day again. She's always got her coffee in a big old ceramic mug. No lid on it. That's, yeah, you, that's you with a no lid on it. Because she knows that a coffee stain down the front of her isn't the one thing that's going to ruin your first impression of her. <laughs> work. It's work. I'm the kind of mom who treats swimming as a bath. Anybody else? That's yes, you count. That counts. It counts, right? That counts. Is that you? It counts. 
I watch these moms pull their kids out of the pool and stick them right in the shower. I think that's redundant. And if that didn't come off in the pool, that's just how they're gonna look. I'm gonna have to take that up with their maker, probably. I just, this one mom at the YMCA is always saying, Amy, you gotta rinse the chlorine off them. Why? Chlorine kills everything. That's why they put it in the pool. Taking your kid for a swim is like giving them a full body dip and a giant vat of hand sanitizer. I want to rinse that off of them. That's like the chemical equivalent of the giant plastic bubble around your kid, right? It's better than a flu shot. Swimming lessons. Take my kids swimming. I'll let them touch anything after that. We had a public restroom, huh? Go ahead, fish that quarter out of there. You've been swimming. We shelter our kids from too many things these days, right? My, my daughter had a cavity and the dentist wanted to put her to sleep to fill her cavity. And I said, no, no way. That kid needs to hear the sound of drill on bone. That's how I'm gonna get her to floss. Easy on the Novocaine, buddy. I have, this, I have a picky eater at home, and I, I have this friend who gave me a cookbook. I don't know if you remember this cookbook a while ago. There's his mom, and she mashes up vegetables and hides them in food. I don't want to be the one to tell this lady, but if she's able to sneak kale past her kid in a smoothie, that kid's slow. <laughs> Just being honest about that, I... I mean, my kid knows when I switch out his brand of vanilla yogurt. There's no way I'm gonna get charred waffles past him. Like, ooh, try these. It's as delicious as the regular. I don't sneak food past my kids. I'm in charge. I cook it, they eat it. I put it on their plate, and if they don't eat it, they go to bed hungry. If they don't try it, they go to bed hungry. It's and have two bites, and then they can have some dessert, and then they go to bed hungry. <laughs> they just put a little on their spoon. Just put some on your spoon. We'll call it good for tonight. <laughs> We've gotten crazy with the food and the kids lately. I don't know what it is. Have you sat in a lunchroom at school recently and seen the lunches these moms pack for their kids? They send me an apple, it's not an apple. It's peeled and cored and carved to look like a mermaid. <laughs> Sprinkled with cinnamon and fairy dust. <laughs> when I was a kid, you got an apple in your lunch, right? An apple with a core and a sticker. <laughs> right? Like a good quarter inch of shellac and pesticide. Right on the outside of that apple. Carved like a mermaid. Feel a lot of pressure because all the other moms write these encouraging notes and stick them in their lunchbox. Every day, that's 180 notes. 
you have to come up with for one school year. Like, some of them are clever. They rhyme and stuff, right? Have you seen these notes? No, I, if my mom stuck a note in my lunchbox as a kid, here's what it said. Don't forget to bring your spoon home. Right, that's, that's the note we got. Encouraging notes. How about, I made you a lunch. Lucky you. I didn't leave the sticker on your apple. Uh, I don't like to kid, take my kids out to eat. Because ever since my daughter learned how to read, she orders off a menu like she has an expense account. She'll look down a menu like this. Mom, I think I'm gonna start with. Start with? You can't even finish a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You're gonna start with water. Then you're gonna finish with what's left on my plate. Here's some butter, we'll call that an appetizer. Yeah. Ooh, mom, what's catch the day? It's chicken nuggets. That's what that is. Chicken nuggets. My kids love the Rainforest Cafe. Do you have one of those here in Vegas? Oh, man. Who likes that restaurant? Anybody say they like... It's all children raising their hands, right? It's all the children. Yep, it's all the children, not the parents. My, my kids can sniff one of those restaurants out from 100 miles away. They'll find that Rainforest Cafe. I don't know what it is. You know, it's so crazy is that it's the fastest growing restaurant chain in the world. Did you know that? The rain, isn't that crazy? Ironic though, right? Because the actual rainforest <laughs> has almost completely disappeared from the face of the earth. But the rainforest cafe spreading like the swine flu. I don't know who runs that rainforest cafe, but they should find him and get him to run the rainforest. I mean, I'm not sure he could completely stop the destruction but at the very least, it'd be like an hour wait to go in and chop it down, right? Well, come on, that was a super clever joke right there. I love that joke. Be careful, I'm gonna start telling math jokes. All right, I'm gonna start throwing out math jokes. Oh, this is my full-time job. A lot of times people come up to me after a show and say, do you do something else? Do you have another job? Um, I don't, and it kind of hurts my feelings that people think I need another one. Um, <laughs> But uh, this is my job, and I, I didn't start out doing this job. I don't know how many of you, like, you, you decided on something when you were young, and that is exactly the way your life turned out. Anybody can say that? That that's exact? Really? Someone's Are you raising your hand or brushing your hair to the side? Okay, good. Right, you're like 17, right? And so far, it's going just like you planned. You're what? And it just went just the way you planned it to go. And you are in the minority in this room tonight, aren't you? <laughs> right? Well, let me tell you a little bit about how I got to here. I actually um, am an engineer. That's what I started out doing. Do we have any engineers here tonight? Anybody? Oh, in the very back? What kind of engineer are you? Software. A software engineer. Are there a lot of women at your work? No. Yeah. That's why I quit. Because was, it was tough being the only woman there. I just had to go to the bathroom alone, you know? I had a gossip. I was always just like gossiping about myself. It was really hurtful that I was... 
<laughs> people will ask me, you know, were you always funny? Did you always think you were going to be a comedian? And it, was, it wasn't the case. I was good at math, and I went to engineering school, and I started working as an engineer, and um, there, I had a friend who really wanted to be a comedian, and he asked me to take this comedy class with him, and I did, and one thing led to another, and all of a sudden, I'm like working as a comedian. Um, and I quit my engineering job after a year and a half and moved to L.A. It was, my parents were super happy about that after they <laughs> just finished paying for engineering school. Um, I know how you parents love that. I'm just, I know my kids are going to do the same thing to me. I'm going to get them through grad school or something, and then they're going to you know, become painters. I don't know. It's going to be like <laughs> what I deserve. <clears throat> but I took this portion of my life. I was raised in a Christian home. I have really great parents that just really laid a good foundation of faith for me in my life. And I've known about God and had a relationship with him since I was very, very young. But I got to college, and I started feeling like I was doing pretty good at my life on my own. So I decided that for a while, I was just going to try and do it by myself. And I walked away from my relationship with God and from my, my church and even from my family in some respects and decided to, to just do the things that pleased me and um, that seemed like the path to success for me. And for a while, that was going really well. And I was in Hollywood and I was working a lot and I had a lot of success. And I married my husband, who was a TV writer. And um, we got to a point where we were just feeling so empty, like things we're not working toward anything bigger. It was just all for us, and there wasn't a lot of point to it. And God was starting to draw us back to him. We found a church, and we started to grow in our faith. And um, as God opened our eyes, we started to realize that everything that we were doing and everything that we were working for really um, had no purpose for him. Uh, it was all just for us and building up our own kingdom and um, our own things and our own glory. And so um, through a series of events, we were invited to write a show for a theater in Oklahoma about the first year of marriage. It was just a comedy show, it was just a theater. Um, it, didn't, it was just another job for us. It didn't seem like it had any significance, but we wrote this show and we were in Oklahoma for about six weeks at a theater there and um, we got a call from a pastor. And he said, I really like what you're doing, talking about marriage. It really feels like you're building it up and not tearing it down, even though it's comedy. And, I would like you to come and do this at our church for our married couples. And we were like, Ugh, I don't know if you could tell jokes in church. And we, were like, <laughs> uh, we really got, you know, like we were scared that we might get struck by lightning or something. I don't know how that worked at the time. And so um, it was a little bit scary for us, but we did it. You know, it was a job at that point. And then, and then another pastor called us and said, we come and do this here. And another pastor, and at that point, we weren't really looking at it as anything more than a job. It was just something that we were doing but it worked out really well at that time for our family because we had a baby. And if we were on the road, we either had to take her on the road or one of us was apart from our child. And so the great thing about being at a church is there's always childcare. And we could bring her with us and just throw her on the pile, go to our show, <laughs> and then come and pick her up and go on our merry way. And so it became a really great blessing for our family at that point in our life. And then as it started to progress and grow, we. Um, we started to understand more what God wanted us to do and what his plan was for our comedy and what we were able to do in churches. And um, we actually, we do a lot of marriage events and we get messages from people that after they've been to the show and they feel like they can talk to each other and then they'll open up to us about their marriage and we've been able to lead people in counseling. We've been able to, um, to counsel couples ourselves and I get to do these women's events and I have the opportunity to have a bunch of women in a room and make people laugh who are maybe struggling or going through a really difficult time or they're dealing with something really heavy and just need the opportunity to let it go or 
just be with other women and laugh and know that you're not alone and you're in a community where you can be loved. And it's been such an amazing journey for me to go from being an engineer thinking that that was my path and my life to being a comedian and thinking that was my path in my life to being someone who gets to do comedy for God and as his servant and for what he wants me to do it for. And I really feel like I have the best job in the world, but not just that, that I've seen the progression of how God takes something that you meant for yourself or for something else and he can turn it around and make it about him. And so thank you I, um, for letting me be here tonight with you ladies. And I, I hope if there's something that maybe you feel like you haven't given to God yet, maybe it's your life. Maybe you haven't had the opportunity to just give him your life and say, what can you do with what I have here? Or maybe it's something that you think is insignificant. Believe me, almost every day, I have doubts about how important comedy can be in the kingdom of God. <laughs> and I think all I've got are a couple of jokes. What are you going to make of that? But he does. That's the kind of God that he is, that he turns things like that that seem useless or small or insignificant, and he makes them important. And um, thank you. I'm going to leave you with one more song, and then we're going to end your evening tonight. I think there's more prizes or something. Is there something else here? No more prizes? Who won the coach bag? We were watching you, my friend Hazel, I brought my friend Hazel with me here tonight, and um, we were watching you walk away thinking like, that was the right person to win that bag. It just looks like it goes with you. <laughs> Didn't you think when you saw her, you're like, that's the right bag for her, I would have picked that bag. I hope you feel that way. I hope you're like, this is not my style at all. I can't believe she said that to me. <laughs> that would be embarrassing. Uh, all right, one thing you guys could do for me tonight, if you had a good time tonight, will you like my Facebook page? And you can, um, if you have a story or something small that you want to share with other women, like something that God has taken in your life that you thought was smaller and significant and made it important, put it on there. I'll post it on that page. And it's really a, a place of encouragement. And we'll hashtag, put your hashtag on there so everybody can see. Is that the hashtag? Okay. We'll use your hashtag. Oh, okay. Here we go. Okay, so I'm going to do one more song. Um, this is a song that I wrote after I moved to Seattle and realized that it's, um, it's legally frowned upon to spank your children. <laughs> but so important to discipline them, right? So important to discipline them because you want them to, you know, be good kids. Um, and so I want you to know that I've combed through the laws to find all the stuff that it is still totally legal to do to them. And then I just put it all in one little song for you tonight. Okay. There you go. Well, your kid's done done wrong, and I bet that you witnessed. You tried to be chill, but they're so naughty and mustis. They slipped right off the track. And now you're trying to get them back before your cool done run out. Of. They're giving you suggestions, nothing can't protect it but divine intervention. I reckon it's about your turn to teach something they'll learn by you. Totally legal. They wake up in the morning and know that they're love, 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 love. Write your mommy loves you on their forehead with a black sharpie. And 
their pants in in short three. Send them off to school and they'll know that they're loved, 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 loved by you. Rent their room out to a border Find their diary Then read it Hey, tweet it Sounds like some of you might have done that already I know you're laughing a little hard at that You can change their name to something really strange Like Snooki, Wow, Saddam Hussein You're well within your rights